0: Build up a shaft to Davis, let it tower to the skies. Let those who fell in battle see the stately column rise. We'll respect the cause, they loved, the cause they died to save. The shadow forth our deep respect for every soldier grave. For right or wrong, our brethren fell on every bloody field. They thought the cause they loved was just, and feeling so to yield. were are baster than all baseness is, and greater to be feared than all the guns that ever roared since heaven's light appeared for Davis neither better nor worse than those he led he simply represented all we did or thought or said he was the chieftain of our state the leader of our band he duly chosen from amongst us to assume and give command he erred it was but human which of us has not erred when we made him chief in power we assumed his every word So far as it had bearing on the common cause we knew, and all the acts of chief of state were ordered in our view.
1: He failed to win the aim he sought, wide the state that failed, thrust him into dungeons. Every man he led was jailed. The irons that upon his weak and wasted limbs he wore were those that as their chief of state he for his people bore. Criticism and abuse he silently endured, Only of the nature chieftancy insured. And shall we now forget the men who suffered in our stead, Cursed be the craven spirit Who deserts his household dead? We yet are in our father's house, We love our country's flag, Long may its fold unchallenged fly On sea and mountain crack. Long may Columbia's gone full-on float proudly to the breeze, And let no man with angry hand those sacred emblem seize. But let us grieve over every wound wherein our country bled. We love the brave of every faith we mourn our gallant dead. Secure against fraternal hate, they sleep beneath the sod. The Lord of hosts has summoned them. Their fame is safe with God. podcast my name is lucas and i'm travis we're southern men de the south
0: so the poem we just read read the y'all was written to help bolster the movement to uh get a statue of lee in Nashville, tennessee and um that 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 was a great poem yeah it was baster than the based.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I like that last song or excuse me, the last line. Uh the Lord of hosts has summoned them. Their fame is safe with God.
1: Yeah, and I and I think, you know, despite the fact that the South lost, they still have their faith in that, that God is going to vindicate them. Right? Um and that that's um that's something we still look forward to today, but uh, definitely don't want to lose that that faith in God.
2: Uh.
0: In, in many ways, we we were vindicated. I mean, we're still being vindicated, right? Like we were still like, "Yep, none of this would be happening because the South was right." Uh, but but on on the other hand, it's you know we still have an identity versus those of our quote unquote conquerors. Who no longer have this core identity.
1: Right. And I think um if if we give anything uh if I think if we give any of our elites any credit, the fact that they're worried about the southern southernification of of the rural America, um, it kinda sounds as if we're gonna be the grease of this relationship. Um, such as Greece and Rome. Um, you know, I I was, I was in a chat the other day and I saw where, uh, you know, the, the St. Andrews flies up in Pennsylvania of all states. Uh, that's, that's kind of crazy to me in one sense. And when I, I brought it up, you know, someone mentioned how that's actually fairly common. Um, and so that that kind of brings back that whole dynamic of Greece versus Rome because Rome conquered Greece militarily and Greece conquered Rome culturally uh and uh religiously so i'm i'm praying that i'm praying that the good lord allow us to conquer through peace and through hearts and minds uh especially in these
2: very trying days I mean,
0: you when you put it like that, you know, it's literally a a salt and light effect, or you know, not a salt and light, but a um a salt and yeast type yeah. analogy going on. Yeah, how we're just kind of in there. We're not like the main thing, but we're we're flavoring everything. We're we're infecting everything with, uh, dare I say, righteousness.
1: Right, and and that's. You know, Christ told us to be salt and yeast. I think it was in Matthew. He, uh, he, he likened his people to yeast, where when you put just a little bit in the bread, it still permeates the bread. So um, now our, our job is to, when we come into, uh, come into a situation, we are to be virile, and we're supposed to take over that situation and dominate it for the Lord God. The other day I posted
0: something to the Telegram channel that uh was, was said to me in a in a conversation and um you know it was Europe drought, most of America drought, Dixie literally the garden of Eden cuz we've gotten
1: freaking rain almost every day this summer.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. And it's amazing. I love it.
1: My peach tree's got a, a few more peaches. So things are pretty good. I, I took about uh I took three of them off the tree, and um, my little girl just grabbed them and ate them up.
0: <laughs>
1: so, I'm ready to get peaches, man. I love peaches. Yeah, me too. I'm going to get a couple chestnut trees. I think I talked to you about this. Um, they're they're not as expensive as I thought they would be. So I'm going to get some.
0: Yeah, and they they have a new variety now that's supposed to be like disease resistant because we used to have a chestnut tree and uh, I think a disease got to it and mm. freaking sucked. So we were just cleaning up all the burrs in the yard, but we didn't have any chestnuts to get out of the burrs, so that was kind of kind of crappy. But any anyways, anyways.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, let you know this. This is our second. Episode of the Confederate Veteran. And um we have a, a amazing new intro, as everybody heard on the last one. Uh, we intend to keep that intro for this specific um we'll call it a season of the of the Dixie Pollis podcast. Um so a couple of things that we're thinking about. We're going to experiment with this a little bit because we want to, we want to keep things interesting while still delivering good content. We would, of course, uh, advocate for anybody to go out. and um, I'm pretty sure you can get it on uh, Archive. Uh, there are several other places that you can get it. Um, but we would, we would recommend you getting the Confederate Veteran and just occasionally read it. Uh, it's, it's an interesting piece of history. They have scanned copies of it. Um, that's where we've gotten ours from. But you know, with all that said, we would really appreciate um, any feedback that you guys would have. Things that you think are interesting, um, tangents that we go on. If they're unhelpful, or if we need to clean it up, just let us know. If there are things that you want added, let us know about that as well. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna experiment here and there. Uh, any feedback that you have would be greatly appreciated.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's similar to the Confederate veteran, so uh, d- down up in here, he says uh, that he, he's giving thanks to everybody. You know, saying I, I could not do this without you. Uh, it's page. Yep. Well, I can't remember what page it is, but but essentially, S. A. Cummings. Uh, he he's stepping down from from on the Lee Memorial. Uh, board or whatever, so he's no longer getting paid for that. But he's like, you know, I'm still gonna be obnoxious about pushing to get donations for this Lee Memorial. As he said, so you don't have to worry about that. But on the other hand, when you write in, I appreciate all of y'all's input because you know there's there's pages in here of these people that wrote in, basically leaving comments. Like there's a comment section on here. But um, what what he's saying is he's like, look in your feedback, don't just say you like everything about the about the uh, about the paper. Rather, tell me what you want and tell me what we need to pull out because everything is a dollar an inch. Now he's going into the um the um advertisements and things like that, and he's like, look, it's the same price to print actual content as it is for the advertisement, so we need to be mindful about that so we can get you know everybody gets their money's worth and um the same thing with this podcast like let's let's have a um a, a working relationship with the audience like what what do y'all want to hear more of out of these confederate veterans and like some of the stuff you can just sweep under the rug like some of the anecdotes that are up in there um i'm sure most people like the poems and the war stories but it's
1: things like that but anyways Um, There's an article in here uh, talking about Robert E. Lee's birthday, and they had uh, a—it was at the Confederate Veteran Camp of New York. Uh, Well, actually, let let me just read this first part. The Confederate Veteran Camp of New York gave its third annual banquet, January 19th, General Lee's birthday. Among the distinguished guests present were Mrs. V. Jefferson Davis and daughter Miss Winnie. The camp arose in honor of the first woman and the daughter of the Confederacy. There was on the stage a large oil painting of General Lee. Major Edward Owen managed the proceedings with high credit. Of the responses by guests invited who could not attend, Mr. Cleveland wrote, It would give me great pleasure to accept your invitation. If other engagements permitted, but the cares and duties now pressing upon my time are too numerous to permit of my attendance. Unquote. Mr. Cleveland's name was heartily cheered, and so was that of T.W. Topham, commander of U.S. Grant Post, G.A.R., who wrote, quote, I would be glad to help honor the memory of one of America's greatest soldiers. Unquote. A similar statement from General McMahon. Was also ha- applauded heartily. So they they have in here a poem that was written in honor of Lee. Um, and so I, we'd like to we'd like to read this one here. He fought the fight to finish, and his soldier work is done. Lee ever stands immortal, freedom's model of a son,
0: as in the day of battle or on his great retreat. The center of attraction we come to Lee to meet.
1: We've tried to mold his features, To clothe him with a form, To hold him up for men to see How much he can adorn.
0: He came not home triumphant, But a hero he did come, With honor pure unsullied, And a love excelled by none.
1: A pathway strewn with flowers, Welcomed Lee back from the war, But in anguish for his country And the ruins homes he saw.
0: He who could stand undaunted mid the crash and clang of arms through gander when disabled, leading comrades to their farms.
1: For he tread the path of duty, and he won respect and fame, the proudest wreath of laurels that a moral man can claim.
0: Tis not the smoke of battle, the carnage or the flame, but we hold our lee close to us. We love to call his name.
1: And we tell you all we know of him, and the nation yet unborn shall learn to know and love him like the fathers that have gone. Uh, I've, I've always enjoyed uh, the respect that Lee has gotten, and he, and he earned. Um, and when you hear, uh, despite the fact that he was the general who surrendered, um, I imagine that Lee was probably the only general who could have surrendered where it would have been honored. Uh perhaps I'm over inflating him a bit in that, but um if Lee had persisted, I think
2: people would have persisted with him. And
1: he was kind of their their archon, if you want to put it that way. Uh so when I when I read poems like this it's it's uh it's warm to the heart to hear how much they they love to talk about him.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking when it comes to Lee. I mean, of course, y- you have to think at that time, the South is, South is just ready to get it over with, right? Like, right. they're hungry. Everybody's hungry. All their men are all fighting. We don't know who all is coming back and who's not coming back. You know, and, and it's just one of those, well, we we can we can kill all of ourselves or we can just hope for the best possible outcome. And, um, that's, you know, he was, he was wise enough to actually see that. I mean, how many people would have, you know, not, not have surrendered, but rather just fought to the very last? You well, know,
1: if it were up to Davis. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> David, it, 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 yeah. Davis would have fought until every last person, man, woman, and child was dead. Um,
0: so, so i'm reading his biography right now and um or yeah anyways and, and it's and it's on him retreating from richmond and he's like as long as the group of cabinets stays together the confederacy lives on and i'm like <laughs> bro no what, what are you gonna do you're gonna have like have a have a nation in a town you know like when the rest of your your, your nation is just gone no it's not how it you know, of course, I would have ran too. I would have just got the heck out of Dodge, um, and uh, plotted my revenge from like Cuba or something like that.
1: Well, I'm not sure if you're if you're at this part yet or not, but he he was actually in very serious conversation about going to Mexico and regrouping and then reinvading the South through Mexico.
0: Yes, I'm partial. I'm I'm around that area. Uh, but a lot of it's like, you know, what if we could get the French to come and help us? And, you know, the uh, the uh, I think the French had a puppet emperor or something yeah. like that yeah. um, in Mexico. And they were like, yeah, if we could just, you know, get them. But, that, you know, Mexico on the verge of a civil war also, you know. So what are they going to do? Are they actually
1: going to turn around and actually help fight us? Well, I, I don't think so. Everybody can unite in hatred of the Yankee, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that might have been successful, <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Uh, this actually reminds me because in just a a page or two afterwards, a little further. No, it's the next page. A uh, page or two afterwards, um, there's a an article about Confederate gold that was taken to you know Texas, and it was intercepted. He was on his way with ten thousand dollars in Confederate gold. Uh, meant to, I believe, help pay for help from Mexico, and he was intercepted and told to stand down after the surrender. Um, and I think there's actually some some theories that some Confederate gold still made it out of out of the South. Um, I'm not sure the validity 25. of those, but.
0: I I honestly don't think there is any Confederate gold.
1: Um, I think the Confederate gold
0: is—I don't think they had it at the end of the war. Is what I'm saying.
1: Right. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't think so either. But there's a—it's a theory going around. It would be cool if that were true, but it would all get melted down anyways if they found it. So it's better off lost. Right.
0: Because it's racist gold now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's racist gold.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever been sitting on the front porch and you just need something to smoke on? Well, how about you smoke a Baby Ruth, the noted five-cent cigar, traded and supplied by Sidney Helen & Company, Nashville, Tennessee. Cleveland
1: says smoke. Also, for you farmers out there, at Stockwell, Ferris & Bailey, we have garden and field seeds, produce, fruits, and commission. Located at 145 North Market Street, Nashville, Tennessee. And for all you fruit lovers out there, you fruity people,
0: Frank Anderson & Co., wholesale foreign and domestic fruits, 201 Market Square, Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for listening to our advertisements. Uh, so so the next is a war story. It's uh, the carnage at the crater. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read most of this, and uh, we will react after. I don't know if I'm going to read all of it. So, on the 30th of June in 1861, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stewart of the 61st Mahone Brigade was, um, is giving his account of, of the battle at the Carnage of the Crater. And so, they're, they're awoken in the, they're awoken in the morning. Awoken? Awakened? They're awoken. They're awoke They're awakened in the morning by the sounds, by the reports of cannon fire. And, um, it, it it landed on breastworks. That was that was a de- defense for them, and so when when the Yankees attacked, they basically this entire section had to fight in the middle of a ditch. Okay, and so what it says about I'm, I'm going to read from the thing now. Uh, the crater excavation caused by the explosion was 25 feet deep, 100. 50 feet long and 50 feet wide, about 75 feet in the rear and supporting earthworks. There was a ditch wide in the bank thrown upon the side next to the fortification. This was constructed to protect parties carrying ammunitions and rations to the troops between this irregular ungraded embankment and the lines of the troops. And they constructed numerous caves in which they slept in at night to be protected from the mortar shells. This embankment was from the bottom of the ditch that was about 10 feet high and commanded the outer or main lines. The space from the outside of the fortification to the inner ledge was the ditch and was no more than 100 feet wide. The crater and the space on both sides for some distances were literally crammed with the enemy's troops. They were five lines deep and must have numbered between 15 and 25,000 men. The historians admit that the, the charge was made by the whole of the 9th Corps Command by General A. E. Burnside in the 5th and the part of the 2nd. that mass and the supporting distance yeah the entire ninth core is just in this hole and they can't go anywhere like imagine you're you're being pressed in a crowd to go forward and then you're just in the middle of this ditch and you just can't get out it's like shooting fish in a barrel man yep unironically and so Mahone's old brigade, after being deployed, covered their front and the center of the crater to the right. Our little band was desperate and reckoned not the host that confronted them. I recollect counting seven standards in front of our regiment alone. Our column was deployed in the valley, therefore, before mentioning the full view of these hostile thousands, as the soldiers filled into the lines, General Mahomes walked from right to left to command the men to reserve their fire until they reached the brink of the ditch and after delivering one volley to, to use bayonets. Our line was hardly adjusted, and the Georgians had not commenced to deploy, and the defense of the Negroes in the advanced line of the enemy made an attempt to rise from the ditch and charge. Just at that instant, General Mahone ordered a counter charge. The men rushed forward, officers in front, and uncovered the heads and waving hats and grandly and beautifully swept around over the intervening space with the muskets at trail. The men sent in the ranks to a storm of bullets, and there a gallant fellow would fall, but the files would close, still pressing onwards, unwavering its jaws of death. The orders of General, Major General Mahone, were obeyed to the very letter, and the brink of the ditch not gained before a musket was discharged. The cry for no quarter greeted us. The one volley responded, and the bayonets piled with such irresistible vigor as in Ensured success is the shortest space of time. Men fell dead in heaps, and humans groaned, ran in the streams that made the very earth mire beneath the tread of the victorious soldiers. The rear ditch being ours, the men mounted the the rugged embankment and hurled their foes from the front lines to the very mouth of the crater. In the meantime, the Georgia Brigade had charged but were repulsed, and soon after it was reformed in the column of the regiment and again charged but was met by such a withering fire that it gained recoil with a heavy slaughter. Our blood work was done so quickly that I have scarcely an idea of the time that was required to accomplish it. Some say it was 25 minutes, it was over. I'm sure about noon, but for the first time, we realized the oppression of the scorching rays that July sun and many almost sank from exhaustion. The brigade captured 15 battle flags in our own regiment, five of the seven that I had encountered in its front one regiment capturing, like, 15 flags. I mean, t- talk about just an absolute sweeping victory. I mean, never like, think of the gore, but also think of just how victorious this victory actually was. Like, they...
1: This kind of reminds me of an Audie Murphy kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, right.
1: Yeah, Audie Murphy captured, you know, a whole group of Germans while they're in their own embankments. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he, they 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 made a movie about him, um, and he played himself, and he toned down what he did in the movie because he said nobody would ever believe it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Based.
2: Very, very. Uh, I mean, I'm
0: I'm trying to think. It's like a World War One type scene, you know. You've got trenches and this crater is formed, of this these embankments, and like people are just dying,
1: laying on top of one another. Oh yeah, how yep. about freaking gruesome? Well, and it was, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, when you get into a situation where you have to follow through on something like this, uh, you you have to do things like this and more. And it was every war that it has ever existed, situations like this have existed and you know, you have to take it as it comes.
0: And it's one of the reasons I mean, I, I kind of like reading this is to get the war stories out of them. Yeah. Um sure. I mean, they, they don't make war stories like this hardly anymore.
1: Not quite. Not quite.
0: So in a similar way, like, you know, I like hearing the war stories, but then also there's, there's that other side of war, the, what I would call the, the gentlemanly stop, you know, level of war. Like you have the, the, how did the officers react? We we just noticed the, the privates and the, and the sergeants and the, and the infantry do that, but wh- you're not going to see a general such as Lee in the midst of the battle, right? They're typically all off back. I know some generals did, but that's, that's not really typical in my opinion. They're 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 sitting on the ridge overlooking the battle, typically.
2: Right.
1: Um. And and you know, there's a. I've 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 listened to many a, a historian say that you know World War One was the last gentlemanly war. And I think I think there's truth to that. Um. A lot of what I, a lot of what I see out of the, even the Civil War. There was a lot of quarter given, and there was a lot
2: of um, respect
1: given from both sides to people who were uh, captured in combat, you know, men were allowed to go home, um, and to see their family, even though they were prisoners of war. All they had to do was sign a paper and say, hey, look, I'm not going to sign back up. I'm just going to go home and take care of my family. I'm kind of out of the war. Um, And, you know, <clears throat> General Grant, for instance, would, you know, when he would get to a location, I think everybody did this. When they would get to a location, they would uh, sequester themselves a home and they would uh, operate out of that home. Now, I know Grant, Uh, was, uh, I guess, known for this,
2: as far as I'm aware. But here's a letter. It says, A Nashville lady gives
1: valuable historic testimony. She writes to T.M. Hurst, assistant postmaster at Nashville, in reply to a letter of inquiry. The home of the lady was, at that time, on the tennessee river bluff at savannah a few miles below where the battle of shiloh was fought this is dated nashville tennessee december 6 1892 dear sir your little your letter of inquiry concerning general grant's physical condition on the morning of the battle of shiloh began is received you will please accept my assurance gladly given that on the date mentioned I believe General Grant was thoroughly sober. He was at my breakfast table when he heard the report from a cannon. Holding, untasted, a cup of coffee, he paused in conversation to listen a moment at the report of another cannon. He hastily arose, saying to his staff officers, Gentlemen, the ball is in motion. Let us be off. His flagship, as he called his special steamboat, was lying at the wharf and in fifteen minutes he staff officers orderlies clerks and horses had embarked during the weeks of his occupancy in my home during the weeks of his occupancy of my home he always demeaned himself as a gentleman was kind courteous genial and considerate and never appeared in my presence in a state of intoxication he was uniformly kind to citizens irrespective of politics and whenever the, of, whenever the brutality of the citizens so frequently indulged in by the soldiers was made known to him, he at once sent orders for the release of the captives or restoration of the property appropriated. As a proof of his thoughtful kindness, I mentioned that during the battle on Sunday he wrote and sent to my mother a safeguard to prevent her home from being used for a hospital. Yielding to the appeals of humanity, she did, however, open her home to the wounded and sick for three months in succession, upon administering their wants and necessities in person. In such high esteem did General Grant hold such magnanimity under the most aggravating circumstances that he thanked her most cordially, assuring her that, considering the great losses and gross indignities that she had received from the soldiers, Her nobility of soul was more to be admired than the fame of a general leading an army of victorious soldiers on one occasion he asked to be introduced to be introduced to my mother and father saying if you have no objection to introduce me i will be much pleased i reply not because you are a great general but because i believe you to be a gentleman i will unhesitatingly introduce you to them in deference to the fact that i was a southern lady with southern proclivities He attired himself in a full suit of citizen clothes and touching himself on the shoulder said, I thought you would like this best with with delicate courtesy and gentlemanly instincts of which the honors of war or or merited promotion had not deprived him. And I feel that it is due to the surviving members of General Grant's family to mention some evidences of his great heartedness as shown in kindness to Southern people. Military necessity was not to him a term synonymous with unlicensed vandalism or approval of ter- terrorism. He was too great and too true to his manhood to be fettered by prejudice. I am pleased that I can give these reminiscences of a man who, as a soldier and statesman, received and merited the homage of a nation. For they are testimonies of his inner life and innate characteristics worthy to be recorded with the magnanimity of kinship over self, as manifested on the day of General Lee's surrender, respectfully, because there's W. H. Cherry um I had always had a really poor opinion of Grant, and there were some statements that he had made that um had always aggravated me um but i am I'm, I'm coming to see him as more of a mixed character, you know obviously, there are things that I dislike about him um but there there was a gentlemanliness about him when he approached the civ- civilians um he never put a leash on sherman uh and so that that still leaves a bad taste in my mouth but um you know when someone is when someone is graceful even in victory and when they do defend uh, against the seizure of of property from Residence during a war, I think that's a uh, a noble thing, and I th- I think he ought to be acknowledged um, of the positive qualities that he had.
0: So so while like you, I'm not a fan of Grant. Um, he he always kind of surprised me at how how he handled the situation at Appomattox courthouse. Um, he didn't come in all braggy and bro, you know. Freaking crass and everything like that. I mean, now he did, he did show up in a uh, in a dirty, dirty uniform. Uh, I know Lee made time to clean it and press his uniform, whereas Grant he came with mud on his boots. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. But the, the what I'm trying to trying to say is is that the way he handled the situation when he came in, his demeanor, he was. He kind of went up to Lee like he was meeting an old friend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't. He it wasn't like he was meeting his arch nemesis or whatever. Even though we always like to play it off as is, you know, the the Superman and Brainiac type, you know, rivalry or something like that. One thing that uh, Colonel Marshall said, and this is in a couple articles down, uh, actually the next article down. He said, uh, Colonel Marshall was uh, Lee's chief of staff. He said of Grant, great as were his achievements in war. I think his crowning glory was that of a peacemaker and that to him belongs the blessings promised to peacemakers. So he he could have taken everybody in chains and marched them to DC, but in, the, the peace terms were actually pretty flipping good. If you ask me, um, As far as what it could have been, uh, probably what Lincoln would have wanted (laughs) type thing, you know. March them all and just leave them
1: them in the middle of the Potomac to drown. Um, Uh, Do you need good books? Are you in need of a good, finely printed, yet inexpensive book? Well, printing, printing, printing. Good printing, cheap prices, and quick work. We make specialties of fine bookwork, catalogs, newspaper work, pamphlets, and commercial printing. Our facilities are as good as can be found in the United States, all work executed in the very best style at reasonable rates. Satisfaction guaranteed. Estimates cheerfully furnished. Books, books. This is an age of books. The road to success lies through good books. Books like... The World and How to Take It, Sparks from a Backlog, Our Country, Its Possible Future, and Its Present present Crisis, First Battles and How to Fight Them, Moral Muscle and How to Use It, and Many Others. Send for complete catalog. We are prepared to furnish any book published at publisher's prices at the Cumberland Presbyterian Publishing House in Nashville, Tennessee. Are you
0: just a poor homesteader that has too many chicken eggs? Come on down to Odell and Company. We want eggs and any other country market produce at market price. We have quick
1: returns, and we're located in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. Come down to Jesse Ellie, Hats and Men's Furnishing Goods, agent for the celebrated Knox Hats at 204 North Cherry Street, Nashville, Tennessee, opposite the Maxwell House
0: so welcome back from the commercials uh another thing um i didn't have this in the notes but uh under on southern granite on page 45 um just to summarize this one real quick you know they're they're talking like you know we're going to get various southern granite stones from all across the south many different states and then we're going to get fine southern craftsmen to build the the memorial of Jeff Davis. He says in here, even if the South were barren of fine stones and its monument bleak and desolate in consequence, it would be a true memento of the South, which went into this titanic struggle unprepared and without any of the resources necessary for warfare. Fortunately, however, it will not be necessary to build a monument of boulders since the death of the Confederacy. The Southern States have discovered to be rich with the finest building material and monumental stones, the marble of Tennessee now finds its way to the ent- over the entire Union, and it is good enough for the national capital itself. Granite of Georgia is paving the streets of Cincinnati and other western cities. Cincinnati to Missouri is among the handsome building stones of this country. From the quarries of the southern states we'll get handsome stones so that the Davis Monument will not be southern throughout, but as grand and beautiful as it should be. And envious not only of Southern patriotism and devotion, but of the South's wealth of resources, the quarries of the of neither Maine nor Greece can contribute anything more beautiful than the southern states can themselves give to the memory of the dead leader and the lost cause. So so we always talk about localism, regionalism, you know, sourcing local, and you know, these fine gentlemen here, they they built Mr. Davis's Excuse me. President Davis's memorial. <laughs> uh with, with Southern Stone and Southern Hands. So um they let them be an example to us.
1: And I, the the thing that I the thing that I really love about this is um, you know, he this part starts off talking about how um one of their correspondents had sent them a letter and suggested that the Davis Monument should be entirely a Southern affair. And it was precisely because um, the North had very little love for Davis, and they did everything they could to hurt Davis. And so because they had done very little, if anything at all, to assist with Davis or the Davis family, and how, how low they had brought Davis... Uh, the suggestion was that there should be no northern money or northern materials used in the construction of the monument um now i'm i'm in fan of, i'm a fan of uh you know putting a halt on northern and western immigration for a little while um there's a a few western people that i i could make an exception for but for the most part you know shut the borders um, don 't allow people from third world countries to come into our our country and just let our let our states heal for a little while and we 're talking about now, not then but um very much i 'm in favor of of keeping everything in the south We have the resources we have the people we need the will and we need the the uh the acumen i guess to do it. Uh, We need the encouragement of our own people to do it. Uh, This kind of, you know, talking about natural resources kind of carries over into another one. Um, A great source of wealth for the South, Um, this this other article here was talking about steel being found. And originally it was unusable. The reason was because of the phosphorus in the steel. I'm going to read a bit here. Um, just a, a paragraph or two. Uh, I'll read two paragraphs, actually. Um, I may be pardoned for re- recalling the fact that I was a purchaser of the rolling steel at Chattanooga from the government at the close of the war and put it in operation for the purpose of showing that iron business could be successfully carried uh, could successfully be carried on in the southern states. From the very outset, I was aware of the difficulty in the way of making steel due to the presence of phosphorus in your ores, and hence I watched, and hence I watched the progress of the basic process with the, latest possible inter- with the greatest possible interest. And so long ago as 1862, I was aware of experiments made by Mr. Sneelis, which provided. Which showed to which served which served to show that the lime could that lime could be used to neutralize phosphorus and pig iron. Messis, Thomas, and Gildrist, however, made the first successful application of this principle, and I always intended, if the works remained under my control, to establish the manufacture of basic steel in Chattanooga. For this purpose, I secured the original control of the patents in this country but circumstances occurred which made it impossible for me to execute my plans. It was, however, with the greatest possible satisfaction, I was able to give Mr. Shook the information which led to his visit in Europe, and and to his study of the process of Brimbo works conducted by my friend Mr. Darby, where I knew that the difficulties were even greater than those which existed in the southern states, and that they had successfully, that they had been successfully surmounted. Nevertheless, it required much money, great energy, and high courage, on the part of the gentlemen, who associated themselves together, for the in- introduction of this new process. They have done their work well, and they are entitled not only to honor but to profit, which I hope they will realize. The South is the natural home of the basic process, just as the North must necessarily be the greatest. The- the great producer of acid steel. It is an interesting fact that these products have each had their proper u- field of usefulness, and that basic steel of the South will undoubtedly find a market north of the Ohio River, just as the pig iron of the South was it, has invaded the Northern Territory. It has been said that the steel will, will drive out iron, but the fact is that the production of puddled iron has increased and not diminished since the introduction of improved steel processes for some purpose iron will continue to be used but when basic steel shall be supplied at low cost in adequate quantities the domain in which iron can be can be used will be greatly restricted the future therefore for new product is very bright and the demand will soon take all of this admirable material which can be supplied at a reasonable cost, and if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, iron continued for the next you know thirty forty years to be used in the United States until steel became much more readily produced. They had to develop a few more uh, techniques to purify it before they could do that.
0: Um, so so I could be total totally mistaken. I'm not a metallurgist or anything, uh. But isn't doesn't steel take iron to to make? Like, don't, don't they use iron to make steel?
1: Yeah, it's it's iron and um, uh, I'd I'd have to I'd have to look at it, but I think it's iron and chrome.
2: Hmm.
1: I might be wrong okay. about that. I, hold on, before I make myself
2: look stupid, I'm already looking
0: stupid. I don't know how to make steel. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not
2: a metalhead. <laughs>
1: So iron is an alloy. Uh, steel is an alloy of iron and carbon. That was right the first time. Not chrome.
2: Okay. Uh,
0: that's that's what I thought. I thought it might have been carbon. Yeah. It's iron. And stainless and carbon. steel is somehow neutralizing that carbon.
1: Yes. Oh.
0: Yeah. But anyways, anyways, I mean, so so in in all reality, you know, the the steel industry is going to help the iron industry. It, but in. Roundabout ways, they won't be making as much because iron won't be the number one thing. But okay, so this actually brings up a great point that earlier, I saw getting back on the Jeff Davis bio, he was saying he was pushing in 1950 something, or excuse me, 1850s to um for the South to up their manufacturing, and it took a war for them to realize that hey, maybe we should start creating our own steel. Uh, right maybe we should start manufacturing stuff which by the way um brainstorming live on air um i'm thinking we should we should do a series eventually not now not anytime soon on um the the diversities of the states what makes them good like so alabama we have a steel plant we have deep water um you know we have a deep water bay and we have a river. Okay. So those are all great ways to, to ship cargo, produce cargo, create ships, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, like that. And um, so we could go to Atlanta, Granite, you know, um, Tennessee marble. But anyways, that's just a total side side note. But one way to get the South independent is to become fully independent by using our natural resources.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there's, I, th- I think that's true. And um, I think we're, like I said, I mean, I I think we ought to focus on the South and let the South, um, you know, fully develop what it has. Instead of relying on other countries, like the Yankees, to do what we right. need to do.
0: Yeah, Pri- prioritize prioritize our guys.
1: Right. You know. Yeah,
0: our steel might be more expensive than Chinese steel, but Chinese steel's garbage. So. Well, um, why not create get better jobs for our people by making
1: steel? If I can take this opportunity to throw a jab at a particular group of people. Uh if we get rid of unions, then the then the prices won't be so high.
0: <laughs> right. And, and everything levels out. I mean, who cares? I mean, extreme example, but who cares if you're only making $10 an hour at the uh at the steel mill when your milk costs 50 cents at the store? because you can right. get it right down the road at your local farmer pretty much, yep. You know. Yeah. And that has to go go to a hard currency, right? Like everybody's always worried about these numbers going up. The 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 Wall Street numbers don't affect me like at all. Um well, when you, you can know?
1: when you can barter with your local farmer for food um yeah. and, you know, in a we'll we'll go along with the meme and adjust and a just Dixie, and a just and free Dixie. Uh there could be gleaming, gleaning rights as well. You help a farmer, you know, pick off the remaining crops that he has in the field, you get to keep some of that, you know.
2: We won't we won't I mean re- I would I would
0: be so set.
1: <laughs> we won't require work, work you to have a license to go work, you know what I mean? Right. But anyways, I mean,
0: that's just a, that's just a kind of a neat example. Like, you know, we had this available to us before the war, but we didn't implement any of it. Like we weren't we weren't we didn't have a musket factory. You know, I'm I'm just thinking if we had a had some type of armory down here where we could create, you know, new rifles that can compete with the Yankees, probably better than the Yankees. And. We should have done that because then we could have won, you know.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, so to close us out today, um, it would be kind of rambly, but you know, I'll uh, go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way because we're we're gonna read a poem to close us out. So, anything you liked about this episode, or anything you didn't like about this episode, you can hit us up on gab at Dixie Palace podcast. Or you can email us at at dixiepolis at ProtonMail.com. Um, or you can find us on Telegram, uh, which is will be in the description because it's a weird at sign because it wasn't originally the Dixie Polis channel. But anyways, to close us out, we're going to read from the same canteen, and uh, then we'll see y'all next week. So. There are bonds of all sorts in this world of ours, fetters of friendships and ties of flowers. And the true lover n- knots I ween, the girl and the boy are bound by a kiss. But there is never a bond, old friend, like this. We have drank from the same
1: canteen. It was sometimes water and sometimes milk, sometimes applejack, fine as silk. But whatever the tipple had been, we shared it together in bane or bliss, And I warm to you, friend, when I think of this, we drank from the same canteen.
0: The rich and the great sit down to dine. They quaff to each other in sparkling wine. From glass of crystal and green, but I guess in their golden potions they miss. The warmth of regards can be found in this. We
1: drink from the same canteen. We have shared our blankets and tents together, and have marched and fought in all kinds of weather and hungry and full we have been. Bad days of battle and days of rest, but this memory I cling to and love the best, we drank from the same canteen.
0: For when wounded I lay on the center slope, with my blood flowing fast and but little hope, upon which my faint spirit could lean, oh, then I remembered you crawled to my side, and bleeding so fast it seemed both must have died we drink from the same canteen Frickin' going to give me chills over here cuz <laughs>